chapters four five and six of a texas cowboy by charles a seringo this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four my second experience in st louis bright and early next morning i gave my dime to the ferryman and pulled out for the bustling city where i was soon lost in the large crowd which thronged the levee i left my satchel in a saloon and struck out to find mr socks hoping he could give me some information as to mother and sister's whereabouts but i was sadly disappointed he had left that part of the city in which he lived when i knew him i put in the rest of the day gazing through the show windows especially of the bakeries at the fat pies cakes etc for i was getting very hungry my last meal being dinner the day before about dark i strolled up to a second-hand bookstore and asked how much a bible nearly new would bring the man behind the counter told me to bring it around and he would give whatever it was worth so i struck out after my satchel i hated the idea of parting with the book for it had been presented to me by my late employer's mother mrs moore a nice old lady who had taken a liking to me but you know how it is when a fellow is hungry or would have known had you been in my shoes i got twenty-five cents for the bible and immediately invested fifteen cents of it in a mince pie that night i stowed myself away in an empty dry-goods box i did not sleep well and when i did sleep it was to dream of snakes and other venomous reptiles i put in the whole of the next day hunting work but failed to find it i had bought a five-cent ginger cake for my dinner and now i got a five-cent pie for my supper this broke me flat and i had nothing else that i could sell so i put up for the night in a pile of baled hay which was stacked up behind a store the next morning i struck out again hunting work but this time on an empty stomach about two o'clock in the afternoon i found a hack driver who said he wanted to hire a boy to take care of his horses he said he would not be going home until about one o'clock that night and for me to wait for him in front of the courthouse on fourth street just as soon as dark came i went to the appointed place and stayed there for fear my man would conclude to go home earlier than he expected i was exceedingly happy when the long-looked-for hour drew near for i thought it wouldn't be long until i would have a good square meal and a warm bed to sleep in about two o'clock while leaning against a lamp-post gazing up and down fourth street a policeman punched me in the ribs and told me to hunt my hole and that if he caught me out again so late at night he would put me in the cooler i pulled out across the street and waited until he got out of sight then i went back to my same old stand thinking that my man would certainly be along in a few moments at the outside every hack that drove by would cause me to have a spell of the blues until another hove in sight soon to disappear again finally about three o'clock my courage and what few sparks of hopes that still remained wilted for an empty stomach and sitting up so late had given me a terrible headache which was almost past endurance i was sitting on the edge of the sidewalk with my face buried in both hands crying when some one touched me on the shoulder i was scared at first for i thought it was a peeler 
but my fears vanished when i looked up into the gleaming countenance of a small red-complexioned man who said in a pleasant tone is there anything i can do for you my little man his kindness proved too much for me i burst out crying and it was quite a while before i could tell him my trouble he was terribly mad when i told him how the hackman had served me he told me to watch for the hard-hearted wretch next day and if i saw him to point him out and he would teach him how to play jokes on innocent children he took me to his boarding-place a fancy restaurant right across the street he said he was just fixing to go to bed when he spied me across the street acting as though in trouble when he found out that i hadn't had a square meal for three days he remarked that it was a damned shame and then told the night clerk who appeared to be half asleep to have me a good supper fixed up and give me a good room he then bid me good night and started to bed telling me to remain there until i found work if it was a month that he would arrange everything with the proprietor in the morning before he went to work i thanked him with tears in my eyes for his kindness i was so tired and sleepy that i never woke up until nearly noon next day after eating breakfast i struck out to hunt a job but failed as usual three days after while out hunting work i stopped an old man and asked him if he knew where i could find a job he smiled and said my boy this is the fourth time you have asked me that same question in the last three days you must like my looks for i have noticed you pass scores of men without stopping them i told him i never tackled a man unless he had a pleasing countenance for i had been snapped up short by so many i also told him that i did not remember asking him before he finally after asking me a few questions said follow me and i will find you work before i stop the first place we went into was the planter's house on fourth street between pine and chestnut and he asked the clerk if they needed a bell-boy no was the short answer he received he then asked where he could find the proprietor up in his room number blank on first floor was the answer we found the boss busily writing my new friend pled my case like a dutch uncle and told him if i didn't prove to be just what he recommended me to be a wide-awake get-up-and-get honest boy that he would pay all damages etc that seemed to settle it for i was told to go down to the office and wait for orders i was too happy to live i thanked the kind old gentleman from the bottom of my heart and offered to pay him for his trouble as soon as i earned some money he told me i could pay him for his trouble by being a good boy after waiting a few minutes in the office the proprietor came down and made a bargain with me my wages were to be ten dollars a month he gave me one month's wages in advance to buy clean clothes with i was put on the forenoon watch which went on duty at eight in the morning and came off at one in the afternoon there were five of us on at a time we would always make from twenty-five cents to five dollars a day while on duty for we hardly ever went to wait on a person but what they would give us something in the shape of money gamblers generally gave us the most sometimes a lot of them would get together in a room to play cards and send down to the bar after their drinks and maybe send a ten or twenty dollar bill and tell the bell-boy to keep the change with this money we used to have some gay old time taking in the city after coming off guard
the next fall nearly one year after landing at the planters i had a fight with one of the bell-boys jimmy byron he called me a liar and i jumped aboard of him when it was over with the clerk mr cunningham called me up to the counter and slapped me without saying a word i went right straight to my room packed up my gripsack and went to the proprietor for a settlement he was surprised and wanted to know what in the world had gotten into me i told him the whole thing just as it happened he tried to get me to stay but i was still mad and wouldn't listen to him i had made up my mind to buy a pistol come back and get square with mr cunningham for slapping me i left the house with eighteen dollars in my pocket jumped aboard of a street-car and rode down to the levee i left my valise at a saloon and then started back to find a gun store i finally found one and gave ten dollars for a fancy little ivory-handled five-shooter i then started for the planters still as mad as an old setting hen i had not gone far when i came across a large crowd gathered around one of those knife rackets where you pay a quarter for five rings and try to ring a knife i watched the thing a while and finally invested a quarter i got a little jim crow barlow the first throw that made it interesting so i bought another quarter's worth and another until five dollars was gone this did not satisfy me so i kept on until i didn't have a nickel left but wasn't i mad when i realized what i had done i forgot all about my other troubles and felt like breaking my own head instead of cunningham's i went to the levee and found out that the bart abel would start for new orleans in a few minutes so i ran to get my satchel not far off determined on boarding the steamer and remaining there until kicked off anything to get nearer the land of my birth i thought even if i had to break the rules of a gentleman in doing so when the purser came around collecting fares i laid my case before him with tears in my eyes i told him i was willing to work and hard too to pay my fare he finally after studying a while said well go ahead i'll find something for you to do everything went on lovely with me until one evening when we stopped at a landing to take on some freight mostly grain we pulled up by the side of an old disabled steamer which was being used for a wharf boat and went to work loading the job given to me was sewing sacks whenever one was found out of order there were two sets of men loading one in the stern and the other in the bow and i was supposed to do the sewing at both ends when they came across a holy sack if i happened to be at the other end they would hello for me and i would go running through the narrow passageway leading from one end to the other i was in the stern when the sound of my name came from the other end i grabbed my ball of twine and struck out in a dog-trot through the passage the sides of which were formed of grain piled to the ceiling when about halfway through i thought i heard my name called from the end i had just left i stopped to listen and while waiting being tired i went to lean over against the wall of sacked grain but instead of a wall there was an old vacated hatchway and over into that i went there being no flooring in the boat there was nothing but the naked timbers for my weary bones to alight upon chapter five a new experience the next day about noon i came to my senses i found myself all alone in a nice little room on a soft bed i tried to get up but it was useless my back felt as if it was broken 
i couldn't think what had happened to me but finally the door opened and in stepped a doctor who explained the whole matter he said the captain just as the boat was fixing to pull out was walking through the passageway when he heard my groans down in the hold and getting a lantern ladder and help fished me out almost lifeless i was in the captain's private room and having the best of care the back of my head was swollen out of shape it having struck on one of the cross timbers while my back landed across another the doctor said i owed my life to the captain for finding me for said he if you had remained in there twenty minutes longer your case would have been hopeless at last we arrived in memphis tennessee we had been travelling very slowly on account of having to stop at all the small landings and unload freight or take on more after landing at memphis i took a notion that a little walk would help my lame back so i struck out along the river bank very slowly during my walk i came across a drove of small snipe and having my pistol with me i shot at them the pistol report attracted the attention of two boys who were standing not far off they came over to me and one of them the oldest who was on crutches having only one leg asked how much i would take for my shooter i told him i would take ten dollars for it as i was in need of money he examined it carefully and then said it's a trade buddy but you will have to go up to that little house yonder to get the money as i haven't got that much with me the house he pointed out stood off by itself to the right of the town which was situated about a mile from the river the house in question being half a mile off i told him that i was too weak to walk that far on account of my back being out of whack well said he you go with us as far as that sand hill yonder pointing to a large red sand hill a few hundred yards from where we stood and my chum here who has got two good legs will run on and get the money while we wait i agreed not suspecting anything wrong and when behind the sand hill out of sight of the steamboat landing mr one leg threw down on me with my own shooter and ordered me to throw up my hands i obeyed and held mighty still while the other young ruffian went through my pockets they walked off with everything i had in my pockets even took my valise key i felt considerably relieved i can assure you when the cocked revolver was taken down from within a few inches of my nose i was in dread for fear of his trembling finger might accidentally touch the trigger as soon as i was released i went right back to the landing and notified a policeman who struck out after them but whether he caught them or not i never knew as the bart abel steamed down the river shortly afterwards the same evening after arriving in new orleans the bart abel pulled back for st louis leaving me there flat broke and among strangers i looked terribly blue late that evening as i walked up and down the crowded levee studying what to do i had already been to the morgan steamship landing and begged for a chance to work my way to texas but met with poor success i could not hire out even if i had applied and got a job for my back was still stiff so much so that i couldn't stoop down without terrible pain that night i laid down under an old tarpaulin which was spread over a lot of sugar after getting up and shaking the dust off next morning i went down the river about a mile where scores of small boats were being unloaded 
among them were several boatloads of oranges bananas etc which were being unloaded in carrying the bananas on shore the overripe ones would drop off on those i made my breakfast but i wished a thousand times before night that i had not eaten them for oh lord how my head did ache that night i went to sleep on a pile of cotton bales that is i tried to sleep but my headache was terrible i could get but little repose the next morning i found there was a morgan steamship in from texas and i struck out to interview the captain in regard to a free ride to texas but the old pot-bellied sinner wouldn't talk to me in the afternoon i began to grow weak from hunger and my back ached badly i sat down on an old stove at the foot of canal street and never moved for three long hours finally a well-dressed old man about fifty years of age with an umbrella over his head came out of Cohen's office a small building a short distance from where i sat and walking up to me said in a gruff voice young man what are you sitting out here in the sun for so upright and stiff as if nailed to an old stove i told him i was compelled to sit upright on account of a lame back in fact i laid my case before him in full he then said in a much more pleasant voice my boy i'm going to make you an offer and you can take it or let it alone just as you like i will give you four dollars a month to help my wife around the house and at the end of four months will give you a free pass to texas you see i am agent for Cohen's red river line of boats and therefore can get a pass cheap i accepted his offer at once and thanked him with all my heart for his kindness being on his way home we boarded a canal street car it was then almost sundown about a half hour's ride brought us within half a block of our destination walking up a pair of nicely finished steps at number eighteen durbigny street he rang a bell a negro servant whom he called anne answered the call everything sparkled within for the house was furnished in grand style the old gentleman introduced me to his wife as a little texas hoosier that had strayed off from home and was about to starve after supper miss mary as the servants called mrs myers and as i afterwards called her showed me to the bath-house and told me to give myself an extraordinary good scrubbing i do not know as this improved my looks any as i hadn't any clean clothes to put on my valise having been stolen during my illness coming down the river the next day miss mary took me to a clothing-house and fitted me out in fine style i admired all but the narrow-brimmed hat and peaked-toed gaiters i wanted a broad-rimmed hat and star-top boots but she said i would look too much like a hoosier with them on that evening i got a black eye after mr myers came home from his work about four o'clock we all went out on the front steps to breathe the fresh air there being a crowd of boys playing at the corner i asked mr and mrs myers if i could go over and watch them a while both consented but told me not to stay long as they didn't want me to get into the habit of mixing with the street loafers on arriving there all eyes were turned towards me one fellow yelled out hello dandy when did you arrive and another one remarked he is a stiff cuss ain't he i concluded there was nothing to be seen and turned back 
just as i turned around a yellow negro boy slipped up behind me and pulled my hair the white boys had put him up to it no doubt i jumped aboard of him quicker than a flash and forgot all about my sore back it was nip and tuck for a while we both being about the same size but i finally got him down and blooded his nose in good shape as i went to get up he kicked me over one eye with his heavy boot hence the black eye which was swollen up in a few minutes to an enormous size i expected to get a scolding from mr and mrs myers but they both gloried in my spunk for taking my own part they had witnessed the whole thing somehow or another that fight took the kink out of my back for from that time on it began to get well i am bothered with it though to this day when i take cold or do a hard day's work chapter six adopted and sent to school mr and mrs myers had no children and after i had been with them about a month they proposed to adopt me or at least they made me promise to stay with them until i was twenty-one years of age they were to send me to school until i was seventeen and then start me in business they also promised to give me everything they had at their death so they prepared me for school right away as i was not very far advanced in book learning having forgotten nearly all that mr hale taught me they thought i had better go to fisk's public school until i got a start i had not been going to this school long when i had trouble with the lady teacher miss finley it happened thus a boy sitting behind me struck me on the neck with a slate pencil and when i turned round and accused him of it he whispered you lie i gave him a lick on the nose that made him bawl like a calf of course the teacher heard it and called us up to take our medicine she made the other boy hold out his hand first and after giving him five raps told him to take his seat it was then my time and i stuck out my hand like a little man she gave me five licks and was raising the rule to strike again when i jerked my hand away at the same time telling her that it wasn't fair to punish me the most when the other boy caused the fuss she insisted on giving me a little more so finally i held out my hand and received five more licks and still she was not satisfied but i was and went to my seat she told me two or three times to come back but i would not do it so she sent out a boy upstairs after mr dyer the gentleman who taught the large boys i had seen mr dyer try his hand on boys at several different times therefore didn't intend to let him get hold of me if i could help it she saw me looking towards the door so she came over and stood between me and it i heard mr dyer coming down the stairs that was enough i flew for the door i remember running against something soft and knocking it over and suppose it must have been miss finley when i got to the street i pulled straight for home about a week afterwards mr myers sent me to pay school where i was taught german french and english my teacher was an old gentleman who only took a few select scholars everything went on fine until the following spring in may or june when i got into a fuss with one of the scholars and skipped the country the way it happened one day when school let out for dinner we all after emptying our dinner baskets struck out for the green to play foot and a half there was one boy in the crowd by the name of stem camp who was always trying to pick a fuss with me 
he was twice as large as i was therefore i tried to avoid him but this time he called me a liar and i made for him during the scuffle which followed i got out my little pearl-handled knife one miss mary had given me just a few days before and was determined to use it the first opportunity i was down on all fours and he astride of my back putting it to me in the face underhanded the only place i could get at with the knife was his legs so i stuck it in up to the handle on the inside of one leg just below the groin and ripped down he jumped ten feet in the air and roared out holy moses as soon as i regained my feet he took to his heels but i soon overtook him and got another dig at his back i thought sure i had done him up for good this time but found out afterwards that i had done no harm with the exception of ripping his clothes down the back the next day at that time i was on my way to st louis i had stowed myself away on board of the molly abel among the cotton bales the second night out we had a blow-up one of the cylinder heads blew out of the engine it nearly killed the engineer and fireman also several other persons a little negro boy who was stealing his passage and i were sleeping on a pile of lumber close to the engine when she went off we both got pretty badly scalded the steamer ran ashore and laid there until morning and then went the balance of the way on one wheel it took us just eight days from that time to get to st louis i remained in st louis one day without food not caring to visit the planters or any of my acquaintances and then walked to lebanon illinois twenty-five miles i thought maybe i might find out through some of my lebanon friends where mother and sister were it was nearly noon when i struck out on my journey and nine o'clock at night when i arrived at my destination i went straight to mrs bell's where sister had worked but failed to hear a word of mother and sister's whereabouts mrs bell gave me a good bed that night and next morning i struck out to hunt a job after considerable tramping around i found work with one of my old employers a mr jacobs who lived twelve miles from town i only worked a short while when i began to wish i was back under miss mary's wing so one morning i quit and pulled for st louis i had money enough to pay my fare to st louis and i arrived there just as the robert e lee and natchez were fixing to pull out on their big race for new orleans the robert e lee being my favorite boat i jumped aboard just as she was shoving off of course i had to keep hidden most of the time especially when the captain or purser were around i used to get my chuck from the cook who thought i was a bully boy the natchez would have beaten no doubt but she got too smart by trying to make a cut-off through an old canal opposite memphis and got stuck in the mud the first thing after landing in new orleans i hunted up one of my boyfriends and found out by him how my victim was getting on he informed me that he was up and hobbling about on crutches he also stated that the poor fellow came very near losing his leg i concluded if they did have me arrested that mr myers was able to help me out so i braced up and struck out for home mr and mrs myers were terribly tickled over my return they had an awful time though getting me scrubbed up again as i was very black and dirty 
a few days after my return mr myers went to see my same old teacher to find out whether he would take me back or not at first he said that no money could induce him to be bothered with me again but finally mr myers talked him into the notion of trying me once more so the next morning i shouldered my books and struck out for school to take up my same old studies german french and english End of chapters 4, 5, and 6